0: You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast, where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're Living Blessed. And now, your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. And as always, we have people, special people, coming on the podcast sharing vulnerable and transparent moments. And I have no other than... A long time. I can't even <laughs> call you a friend. You're like a sister yeah, now. it's and been a while. what we've known each other was like brother and sister in Christ, but I hate mm-hmm. that line. Mm-hmm. I really hate that line because it's like you're, it's like if we're not in church, i really really right, like right, exactly. siblings or whatever. Right. So you're know, like my sister. I've known you for what? 12, 12 years.
1: 12 years. Wow. Yep. Jacqueline, and it all started in the young adult ministry. It did.
0: Look <laughs> at us now.
1: Look at us now. We had
0: ups and downs. Ups
1: and downs, definitely. Periods
0: we didn't talk to each other because right. of differences. Right. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are and all that good jazz.
1: All right. Well, my name is Jacqueline Picard. Um, I'm in the trucking industry. I'm a freight dispatcher. My company is City to City Dispatching. You can follow me on Instagram, at Jacqueline underscore city, the number two city. Um, you know, like like Jovan said, we've been knowing each other for 12 years now, and um, it's just been a dope experience to see one of us grow. Both of us? Well, actually, it started off with one of us, because I was paying attention more <coughs> to you guys. Really? Yeah, I mean, this is what I don't talk about, so it's like, I was paying attention to you guys because It's funny that we were just talking about imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So the whole time I was like, dang, they're doing better than me. Because at that time I spent 11 years on the MARTA, taking a bus, walking to church, all this stuff. And I'm like, dang, it seemed like everybody's doing better than me. So I would look at you guys like, okay, I want to be around y'all more because I want to learn how to do certain things. Or I want to build my confidence or something like that. And... Eventually, that's why I fell off. I fell off because I just didn't feel like I fit in. Hmm. You know? Now, have
0: you always felt like that in life? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. So, date me back to the first time you've experienced that feeling. Like, you may have not known it was imposter syndrome, but you just had that feeling like I don't fit in. Date mm-hmm. me back to that time and let's walk us through a journey of what imposter syndrome has been like for Jacqueline.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you know, being. Um, being in a family where I have two older sisters and one younger brother, I was always like the, the black sheep mm-hmm. or the sore thumb in the um, family. So it seems like I was always getting picked on or something always happened all the way up until basketball. Somebody always got to say something about Jacqueline. And I always felt like they were coming for me. Not really knowing that people actually pick on you or pull stuff out of you when they see greatness in you Yeah, so I didn't know that I'm just thinking everybody's coming for me So I was like, okay, so I just drew back and then at work. I would go to work trying to get promotions can't get promotions because People want me to train other people to replace the promotion that I was trying to get So I was like, well, what is it that I'm not doing right? Like so my confidence went all the way down to the point where I just didn't talk to anybody, and I learned from being in network marketing about personal development, and that was in 2012. I you learned about a
0: network marketing for a minute. Well, mm-hmm. I think when I first met you, like you've been mm-hmm. doing the whole network marketing game for yeah,
1: sh- I know, for yeah,
0: because <laughs> you're <were> selling the <laughs> coffee again, mm-hmm. you sold the coffee again, again go. i'll go. Mm-hmm. Um, what
1: I'm else, doing you,
0: yep. yeah, yeah you a lot of stuff, like just trying to find like find, your, right. your thing <laughs> and. We probably, we probably did pick on you about all that. Dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's all good because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I, now that's when I really looked at y'all as my brothers and my sisters because uh, y'all will pick on me. And not only pick on me, like, y'all will like, really put me in my place, especially you. I could, oh my goodness, I can just hear you now. Jackie, I'm sorry, Jacqueline. Like, what? <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, cool. But um, just dating back to all of that, 16 mm. years in customer service, dealing with personalities, learning my own personality, then um, having Trayvon. Like, that was a, I had Trayvon at 19. I didn't know what I was doing.
0: Mm. So, what, is it, <clears throat> what has it been like having, because a, you're a single mom in a sense. Mm-hmm. What was it like as life as a single mom? One, not knowing what to do, two, just being a new parent three being a black, she'd be a family, so you're, like, you're still trying to like find your way as Jacqueline, the mom now. Mm-hmm. What was that life like?
1: Oh, that was a hard one. Why? Because my parents knew I didn't know what to do. Mm. So they like took over my baby like it was their baby. So I really couldn't instill into my son the things that I wanted to instill in him because at 19, I'm still out there running streets, wanting to go party, all that stuff. So um, I really didn't get to raise him mm. like that. Of course, I was always there, but like, if you ask him now, he would say his grand- grandma and granddaddy. So he won't even call them grandma and granddaddy. He called them mom and dad.
0: Wow. So How did that make you feel as a parent?
1: I mean, it was hard for a very long time because I was like, Trayvon, like he used to call me Jackie, like for the longest. G- like, really? T- yes. Trayvon used to call me Jackie for the longest. Even g- when I knew him? No, no, no. Oh. It, no. I'm talking about when he was like little, like when he started using his words. He used to call my first name why because he heard my parents call me jackie Mm, yeah so if he heard my parents call me jackie and not go to your mommy he's gonna call me jackie right so i had to get him out of that and then i was just like man who am i Mm. (laughs) like who am i like what do i supposed to be doing like and that's when i really started to pray just one prayer that's it god who is it that you created me to be why because that was important to me, because I, I lived so long trying to find myself in different things, um, in different relationships, and I just didn't feel valued. I didn't feel like I was valuing myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I even loved myself. So I was just trying to just move around and do what I could. But um, yeah, like I think that Trayvon, my son, like that situation hurt me the most because I carry him for nine yeah. months. <laughs> I carried him for nine months, and other people get the privilege to raise him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that one hit hard.
0: So what was – so how did you get him to start seeing you as mom? What were some of the things that you needed to change in yourself and say, yo, this is how I needed for you to see me as mom?
1: Well, even till today, like, <laughs> Trayvon, me and Trayvon's relationship is more like – big sister, little brother type thing, Mm -hmm. in a sense. But um, I just try to instill in in him like work ethic and um, how to just take responsibility of things. But me and him, we still have fun, we still play. Um, We play basketball together and all that good stuff. I let him be independent because that's what my parents did for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any structure. So Trayvon really doesn't have any structure.
0: Do you think that works for him as a kid, like just not having any structure, kind of as a kid being lackadaisical and just kind of just being free for all, do you think that kind of hinders him in a sense?
1: It does hinder him because it hinders him in the classroom. Mm. Because in the classroom when he gets bored, he feels like he can just do whatever he wants to do. So now I have to instill in him, you know, we have to be a little bit more structured. And then so he'll be in his room, you know, he got his screen up here with Fortnite, that he got his screen over here, with YouTube, that he got his little laptop here with his work. So I'm like, dude, we gotta do the work first. Mm -hmm. And he'll do the work, but all the other screens are up. So I'm starting to realize, Trayvon has a different personality, and that's what I realized my parents didn't see in me. Mm -hmm. They didn't try to learn what my personality was. It was more like, nope, I'ma just do it on my own. Uh, Jack, I don't want your um, opinions. And I'm like, oh, well, my opinion doesn't matter. And that's how it's always been. So when people try to give me constructive criticism, I take it personal Mm -hmm. and it's like a defense mechanism. And that defense mechanism came from my childhood and how I was brought up. So I know a lot of people would be like, Jack, I'm just trying to help you. But in my eyes, I'm like, you're attacking me. Mm. So once I flipped that through personal development and, and watching other people, once I flipped that, I started realizing that, you know, I can only control what I can control. Right. However you see me is how you see me. I have nothing to do with that. But when when, customer, when um constructive criticism come into play, I have to be more mindful of not to attack mm. the other person. Like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. No, that's not me. Yeah. So um, all of this stuff, it just kind of makes me feel a certain way that I had to do all of this alone, mm. or I felt like it was alone.
0: Wow. So... Take me back to childhood, uh-huh. where you said you felt—excuse <clears throat> me—you felt as if you were pretty much alone. In a sense, you felt like you were always being attacked when it came to like constructive criticism. Uh-huh. What was the things that made you feel that way as a child?
1: Well, as a child growing up and watching my parents and their relationship, I always noticed that my mom didn't have a voice.
0: Mm. So you felt like you as a woman growing up with your dad that you shouldn't have a voice.
1: And then it wasn't until I started getting into relationships and I started to do the same things my mom was doing, which was not having a voice, letting someone just run all over you and stuff like that. But once I started to have a voice, I started to have a voice against my parents. I started having a voice against the relationships I had, my friendships, because I wanted to be heard.
0: Yeah. So do you find that it was a sense of rebellion versus like, just wanting to be heard?
1: It was definitely rebellion because I was sitting there that whole time, you know, keeping everything in and not being able to say anything. Mm-hmm. So when I finally got a chance to say something, yes, it may have not been an attack to you, right. but the way that it was coming out, it sounded very aggressive. And mm. it was only coming from a dark place in my childhood. Yeah. So I had to learn that I had to take care of that first. And how I took care of that in my childhood was to write. So in 2009, December 31st, 2009, is when I joined St. James mm-hmm. at Night Watch um, service for New Year's. And on that same day is when I um, started writing in my first journal. Since 2009 up until now, that's how I got my words out. And then started to really transform myself from the inside out.
0: So how was it, so you're writing everything down, the words that you can't speak to people, Mm -hmm. the words that you want to speak to people, Mm -hmm. but can't because of either you feel that they're in a position of authority and you can't speak to them the way you, you feel like you need to because they're a parental figure or they are somebody you look up to. So you're writing down all these words that you want to get out, these words, these sentences, these cries and all this stuff. Take me through the moment where the words on paper became the words in my ear.
1: Well, that started, that had to start when, I think my last little bit of, of being in the young adult ministry.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and the reason being is because we had a lot of young adults at yeah. that time, and we were able to open up and share different things. And being in that space with you guys, I was opening up a little bit more and a little bit more but it wasn't until I stopped going when I started to realize that man let me just write my parents a letter Mm. now somebody could read it and then so I wrote my dad a letter and (laughs) I wrote my dad a letter and he was just like we're both grown Um, I don't need you to write me a letter Um, just do you basically So at that point, I wrote the letter because I wanted to build a relationship with my dad. And I just felt like I was shot down at that point. So from then on, in my head, I'm just like, Jack, in order for this to change, you're gonna have to change. And I just- You think so though? Yes, I felt like in order for things to change, I would have to change because the words that people were telling me is, you're doing this, or you're doing that, or you're too aggressive. And I'm like, well, if they're telling me these things, let me figure out how to not hear these things anymore.
0: But to me, it feels like he kind of wrote off how you felt.
1: Oh, he definitely in that letter.
0: Did. And I, I don't think that's fair for people to say, "Yo, if you come to me say, Jovan, like when we were going to church together, and the way you would say this or you say that, and oh, you know, that's just life get over it." I'm basically writing off how you feel about the situation and not really like being intentional on trying to understand why you felt that way or even try to be apologetic as to how. I was mm-hmm. So do you feel like that hindered you and your dad's relationship when he kind of wrote off how you felt, even though you kind of wanted to just say, "Well, that's just how he feels.
1: Well, I felt like he now put up a wall. And since he put up a wall, there's nothing that I can do until you decide to put down a wall. Mm. So I decided to you know, transfer <laughs> my energy from trying to build a relationship with my dad to just focusing on me mm. and the things that I could do, the things that I can control. And um, eventually, as the years went by, I felt like it got worse. Um, I felt like it got worse because living in the same household with my parents, my little brother, Mm -hmm. my son, it's like, it's too many pieces of authority in the house. Right. And it's just like the egos was there and all of that stuff. And I was kicked out so many times. Like I was kicked out so many times because of my voice, like I really wanted my voice to be heard. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of arguments and stuff like that. But even then, I I still, to this day, sometimes Javon, I feel like I'm still alone.
0: Really? Like,
1: I I, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't even know what that empty place is. Like, I think I'm still trying to figure out what the empty place is, but yeah, like I could be in a room full of people and still feel alone sometimes, so. I don't think, at this point, I don't think words could necessarily express how I truly feel.
0: What do you think is the loneliness that you feel in a room full of people? Because I feel like if you're in a room full of people, like we're in this space right now where it's over 3,000, 4,000 square feet and there's hundreds of people in here and you have to be able to at least connect with one person, but you can't. What is that feeling that you feel like, you're like, why can't I connect? Have you ever asked yourself, why can't I connect with people?
1: I mean, I can connect with people, but sometimes the connection doesn't feel genuine. Mm. It feels like I'm just connecting with you because you are sitting right here. Got gotcha. you. Versus connecting with you to be on a whole different level mm-hmm. um, with the connection, it's like, no, because I'm very protective now over my feelings and the thoughts that run in my head it's like, no, just keep that to yourself, Mm -hmm. or no, you ain't gotta share that, or no, nobody wants to hear that. So in those moments, um, that's when I start to write more, and not only write more, I now post stuff on um, Facebook, in our Facebook group, and it's the reverse of what I'm thinking. So I could be thinking negative thoughts in my head, but I'll find a way to reverse it to something positive to post on the internet. Mm So it's kind of like, yeah, I have these negative thoughts, but I don't want the world to see the negativity that's going on in my head half the time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to find different ways to still um, put out positivity, put out positive thoughts, um, still make sure that I'm not having this wall up that I've been having all these years. I'll be 34 in March, so that's a long time. Like <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
0: i I couldn't resist
1: <laughs> Exactly That's you Joe you Couldn't resist <laughs> um, But yeah I'll be 34 in March And It's just sometimes You gotta make that decision Like mm. look man It's either we gonna Become a different person mm. Or we gonna remain The same person Like yeah. now I can't even Keep on putting the I blame my parents thing Or I blame my little brother thing No like that's That's kind of old news now. Now it's like, what's the new news? Mm. So now I'm trying to come into becoming this wonderful person that I know I am. But back to the imposter syndrome, sometimes I feel like, no, man, mm, you ain't there yet.
0: So where do you, what makes you feel like you're not there yet? Because I've been watching from afar. And I've seen your growth from the Jacqueline that I first met Mm -hmm. to the Jacqueline midway of life that I've known as well to the Jacqueline now, who's, you are in a really big circle right now. (laughs) And if you, if we were date ourselves back, I don't want to put it out there unless you want to, but you know, we were date ourselves back. Would you have ever thought that you would be with the person or the people that you're with nowadays?
1: No, like that's another interesting thing. Like you never know what life is going to bring to you. Like.
0: I never even knew that me you was
1: gonna be here doing a podcast, Javon. I neither. I didn't even know you had it in you. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will say this though. Being in network marketing is dope that you even brought that up because the people that I was in network marketing with is the people that I still follow today. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. And like it seems like we're all still in the same circle. And it's like, oh, wow, that's dope. And I'm talking about the leaders in mm-hmm. the network marketing. Um, and I feel like it's really dope, but you attract. Now, the law of attraction stuff, Yeah. now I'm starting to really believe it now. Because it's like, back then, I was attracting all these weird, it was just weird people. I'm you, like... <clears throat>
0: why you felt you were attracting those type of people?
1: Because... Of, where I was in life at that time and my mentality at that time, I felt like what I was thinking about, I was really attracting those type of people that either thought the same way or was going in a direction I really didn't wanna go, but I found myself following those people. And I'm like, wait, no, this ain't it. Like Even in network marketing, I wasn't successful at it because I didn't have support from my family Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or I didn't have support um, from some of my friends. And I feel like it's not like they didn't support me. Right. But at that time, I felt like they wasn't supporting me. But now, it's, it's crazy how I even got in the, into this circle. I got into this circle by doing one thing and one thing only, and that's just adding value.
0: hmm Now, do you ever felt like the value that you can provide or the value that you have is not worthy? Because sometimes imposter syndrome, even though you know you have something but you still haven't honed in on that one something that, you know, people are like, oh, I see this in you, I see this in you, I see this in you. Because I, I still sometimes like, have this issue, like, yo, like, I see this, that, and a third in you. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I wish I didn't see it clearly. But it's right. just sometimes imposter syndrome kicks in and makes you know, like, even though when you're in these spaces, y'all don't deserve to be here.
1: Exactly. Like, like it's like people would come at me and be like, oh, you're very inspirational. And in the back of my head, I would like, me? Right, who <laughs> like me? I'm like, well, I'm just me. But they don't know I'm just me. Mm-hmm. So I guess what they're seeing is the woman that I've become to be mm. from when I first started, when you first met me till now. Yeah. It had to have been some changes because of the responses that I'm getting from other people that have just met me or been around, seeing from afar or whatnot. And I feel like it's really dope because I'm now believing mm-hmm. that I'm becoming. Yeah.
0: Yeah. By
1: yeah. the words, the positive words, because remember, I grew up here in negativity. Yeah. So now that it flipped and I'm now hearing positivity, I'm like, oh,
0: And it's like a war inside your head sometimes where the negative things that you've once heard before. Mm-hmm. And then now the positive things you're hearing is just you don't know how to balance it mm-hmm. to where. How do I filter out the negative stuff that I once believed about myself, the negative stuff that I once thought to be true? to now using this positive energy to, like, really, like, continue to just, what, manifest the life that Mm -hmm. you really want. Because where we both are, I never would imagine us both being there Uh -uh. at all because we've both been just trying to figure it Uh out. Like, you know my story, you see my journey, Uh just trying to figure it out, and then now you're there. Uh And now that you're there, it's like, okay, well, how do I continue to, like, hone in on this gift? How do I continue to nurture the place that I'm in? And it's tough. So what are some things that you've been doing for yourself to help you to be reminded that imposter syndrome can't live here anymore? more?
1: Um, getting in the room. I think that's our favorite thing to say. Get in the room, get in the room, um, get around the right people, mm-hmm. um, invest in, in in the information that's gonna shift your mindset. Yeah, Like it's a mind shift, mm-hmm. a, a, a mindset shift now. It's not about me holding on to, like you did the um, live the other day about letting go. I think up until this point, I've been letting go, but I've been letting go little bits and pieces at a time. Mm. Now it then got to the point where, now I'm taking in all of the personal development, all the books that I read, and it's just coming out. So I'm choosing, even though I have negativity in my head, yeah. I'm choosing to speak positivity. So it's a battle between me and myself mm-hmm. in my head. It doesn't have to be a battle between me, myself, and you. Because you don't know what's going on in my head. Right. And that's how it's been since the first time you met me till um, when I made that shift. And it has to be a choice that you make. Gotcha. And I'm choosing to grow and become. Because the circles that we're in, the people that we're around, we have no other choice but to level up.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So earlier you mentioned about the types of relationships that you've been in. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about those relationships and what they were and how you were affected by them.
1: So those relationships, like, again, it goes back to my mom and my dad's relationship. I used to see um, my mom have no voice. She didn't speak up for herself. And not only that, I used to see a lot of, whether it was verbal abuse or physical abuse, <clears throat> and in my head as a young little girl, I just thought that was just love. It's my mom and my dad. I guess that's how they love each other. Mm. So, me being me, I went out into the world and ended up in the same situations. Really? At 14, I experienced domestic violence. At
0: 14 years old? At 14, 14
1: old. ninth grade in high school.
0: How old was the guy you were dating?
1: 16. Okay,
0: so let's, Let's talk about that relationship for a little bit. Like what led to the liking of him and what led to you kind of just staying in an abusive relationship?
1: Well, that was my first relationship ever. So I was super excited to even have a boy like me. Mm -hmm. So um, I stayed there because I felt like somebody was hearing me. Mm. I felt like somebody really cared about me and not just pushing me off. So, you know, we went everywhere together. So it was like, that's how I felt in that relationship. So even when he did something wrong to me, I still stayed because I didn't have nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. So why not stay? And as I continued to grow up, I realized, shoot, my mom stayed. So what's the difference between my mom and me? So it went from that relationship to the next one and then to the last one, and it was like, no, this ain't it.
0: So you kind of just peed in a, a pattern.
1: It was definitely of a pattern. domestic
0: violence relationships, where it's like, I go in, you hear, as long as you hear me, I don't care what you do. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then, and then, and then I would label it as
0: we're in love. hmm So what's like, what did, was there something inside of you that say, "Yo, oh, this can't be love? hmm What was that awakening where you said, yo, this is not love. I can't be in this no more. Did you even stop dating for a while?
1: Well, um, when I had my son in 2007, I decided to get out of that relationship with his father because I didn't want my son to see Mm -hmm. the domestic violence. Gotcha. So um, I jumped on a plane for the first time, leaving Milwaukee to come here to Atlanta, and that was that on that relationship. But then the same thing happened again. And the last time with um, with Max's father, Um, that's when the shift really changed. I I never had a relationship after that. And that was in 2018. And the shift happened then is because now I have two sons. I have a son that's coming and then my oldest son. And I was like, Jack, you don't love yourself. And when I started to realize I didn't, it's not like I was looking for, well, I was looking for love, But I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I never, not once until that moment was like, Jack, you you don't love yourself. So I went this whole time thinking that love was in this person or love was in that person. And not one time did I ever look within to find love.
0: You mentioned a second kid. Yep,
1: Max. So Max is three now. Yep. So Max you have is
0: a three. You a second child Yeah, that you birthed. Yeah. That's three years old.
1: That's Maxi Max. Everybody knows Max. You know I don't Max? know Max. Oh, you didn't see Max? Never in my life. Oh yeah, I can't bring Max here because all this stuff be messed up.
0: All right. Yeah, we like, can. not <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't own this stuff.
1: Yeah, so I have Max. And the thing about Max is, um, so Trayvon's dad is in prison. And I really feel, sometimes I even think like, dang, it's my fault. How, how did I bring, how did I bring, not that part, but the fact that my sons don't have their fathers. So I'm like, dang, they didn't ask to be here, one. Mm-hmm. So they're here without any fathers. Yes, it's the father's choice to not be there or whatnot, but as my as their mother, I'm just like, dang, I have both my parents, but y'all don't have both of yours. Yeah. And Trayvon's father, once I left Milwaukee, he was like, if you leave, then I'm not gonna take care of Trayvon. I left anyway, because again, I don't want Trayvon to see what we were going through. So I left and he kept his promise. He didn't take care of Trayvon at all. That's cool. But then I had Max in 2018 and his father passed away December 5th of 2020. And now I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, what is going on? I don't understand what's going on. And that's when it really hit me like, it's you, like, it's you. Like, you have to take the baton and run with it. It's you that's gonna be the one to break these generational curses. It's you that's gonna start something different. So I had to own up to that. And sometimes we're in a position where we don't wanna own up to our calling. We don't wanna own up to our, our, responsibilities of becoming that person like you said your word of the year is becoming it's a lot of responsibilities on becoming absolutely and i have two sons i'm a woman i'm not a man so therefore i'm gonna treat them like i treat anything else i'm gonna nurture them so um yeah so he's three um he's a really good baby but in him it's different between trayvon trayvon his grandparents basically raised Trayvon. Yeah, yeah. Now with Max- His
0: mom is raising him.
1: His mom is raising him. And now his mom is in a place where she's focusing on becoming and the personal development is starting to kick in. Mm. So all them years that I was doing personal development is starting to kick in now. So Max has more structure than Trayvon ever did. Mm.
0: Do you ever feel that Trayvon may regret that he didn't get the structure that you could have provided to him? Mm
1: Because Trayvon is coming into his own, in, like, individual self. But he's coming into his own by realizing what it is that he likes to do and what he doesn't like to do. Mm-hmm. He's a homebody. If you want to find Trayvon, Trayvon is in his room. Mm-hmm. Trayvon really don't like to go outside much. But the thing that I noticed with Trayvon is he keeps his thoughts inside. He doesn't talk about it a lot. So that could potentially be an issue.
0: Why do you think he horses thoughts inside. You think that's a trait he picked up from you? Mhm. Mm-hmm. So now that you recognize that that's a trait he picked up from you, do you feel like the thing that helped you can help him?
1: Mhm. So now what I do is cuz again, my parents never came up to me and was like, "Jack, are you okay? Jack, what's wrong?" or "Jack, I love you." The only time I hear "I love you" from my parents is when they're about to go out of town or something. But with trayvon i'm making my business to ask him are you okay do i need to do something or yeah. are you good or i love you so um those are the little things it may seem little to other people but it's huge to me because i never heard those words yeah. and those words make a big difference especially for a 14 year old I was 14, like I said, when I first got into that relationship and it was a domestic violence relationship. Mm-hmm. So I don't want him to experience something like that, but I also would like him to become the individual that he was supposed to be. Right. So my journey was a bit tight, but now I can only give him the gems that I'm picking up along the way. So that's what I'm doing now with him.
0: Gotcha. So now that you're in this transitional phase, do you, like you still feel you're transitioning, mm-hmm. right? Now that you feel that you're in this transitional phase and you're trying to become Jacqueline because I knew you by Jackie Mm -hmm. the longest and I still have (laughs) some troubles Mm -hmm. making sure I address you as such. Mm -hmm. So becoming Jacqueline now, who is she?
1: Jacqueline now is definitely the one that's going to focus on self-love, self-care, focus on becoming who I was created to be. Mm -hmm. And that comes with being mindful of what I'm thinking about. Mm. Because it all starts in in, in the mind. And I used to avoid the mirror for so long. Really? Oh my God. Why? I just didn't want to look at myself. I would like, like, I would work in a retail store and I would bypass the mirror as much as I possibly
0: could. You did not like looking at yourself. Yeah, I just, I just saw imperfections. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So it was like a lot of, I can't even call that self-love, a lot of like self-hate going on. a lot. So what do you think, made you hate yourself so much that you couldn't even just look at yourself Because I believed what
1: people were telling me. What were some of the things people were telling you? That you're not gonna amount to nothing, or you're not good at this, or even at work, um, you're not qualified enough, or my my dad, um, uh, you're not a good parent. And I'm like, I heard a lot of negativity, but where's the I love you, or you're a great parent, or you're a great friend, or you're a great employee. Like, I didn't hear none of that stuff. So how can I become successful and do great things when if my house is telling me all mm-hmm. this negativity, why do you think I'm gonna go outside my house and believe that somebody's gonna tell me something positive? Yeah. So <clears throat> I would like bypass anything that was positive and I would just hone in so tightly on the negativity mm-hmm. that it became or what I thought I was at that point even going to these conferences and being in those type of rooms, I didn't feel successful. And now today, being in these rooms and being around success and having people come up to me and say, you're an inspiration, I'm still like, can I really get to the next level? Like, do, you feel do right? I really have it in me? Like. Can I really do this? Like, like now I feel like now I have the responsibility of making sure that what I do will always be an inspiration to somebody.
0: So you feel like right now you're kind of at a glass ceiling. I just can't punch through it right now. You're punching, trying to punch at it, punch at it. You just still feel kind of stuck at this level of Jacqueline.
1: Yeah, because I feel (laughs) I feel like if I punch one more time, the the glass is going to shatter
0: you, But it's more so finding- It's
1: like, if the glass shatters-
0: It's over with. What do
1: I do? Ooh. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> so I now think I'm good. at the point that's where good. I'm like, ah, do I want to shatter the glass?
0: So it's like, now it's like, you're not even really punching that. You're kind of just yeah, like chipping that. Like, yeah,
1: like, I'm like, Ugh.
0: I'm gonna crack it, but I'm going to like- Right,
1: because if you, if you, if you hit it one more good time, it's, it's gonna, gonna break.
0: It's gonna shatter. So I'm, let me just slowly chip yeah. at it, or let me even draw back a little and bit. And that's what I did. I mm. drew back.
1: I drew. That's exactly what I did. I drew back because now I'm like, I don't think I could do that. I don't think. I don't think I have it in me to go to the next level.
0: So it's imposter syndrome. It's like another level of yeah, the imposter like, syndrome. Yeah, like so before
1: in. it was a negativity thoughts yeah. of what my parents were telling me. But now I'm in the room, and it's like, I don't, think, I don't think I can get to that level, or I don't think I'm ready for that level. So that's why I'm just like, man, what do I do now? So that's why I'm just chipping at the glass. I know what I know. I know who that's I crazy, am. That's crazy, right? But it's like, if I hit this glass and it breaks, <laughs> I don't know what's. So I guess it's the fear of the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen once this glass breaks. Now, we're not in a position no more where we have a cap. We don't have a cap.
0: Yeah. Hey,
1: reach for the galaxy, fall amongst the stars. <laughs> like, where are Like, we When you get to the stars. And that's where. We, <laughs> and I think that's the. Every day, Javon, I think about that every single day. It's like, I'm uncomfortable. Ain't no way I'm just gonna sit here for too much longer. Mm -hmm. So something's gonna have to happen.
0: What's the something?
1: Again, I have to get up out of my own head. Like I really have to, now I have to find a coach. Now I have to get that next level of therapy. Now I can't just sit here and write in my journal anymore. I have to invest in myself. I have to invest in who I am. I have to invest in my self-love. Now I'm loving Jacqueline. Mm.
0: So you're loving her. So you feel like you had a love to become?
1: Because I'm always looking at myself like, I know what I've been through. So it's like, oh.
0: Just, it even that, it's, like, it's like it's not even that big anymore. It's
1: not. It's not. It's like,
0: uh. It's just like very minute. And we, I feel like we make our situations and our predicaments a lot bigger mm-hmm. than they are. Mm-hmm. For no reason.
1: No reason at all. Um, and it's like, we're not, people are not doing that to us. We're doing it to ourselves. Yeah. And that's what I feel like right now. Like, you could be real successful. Like, you could be, you could be whatever you want to be right now. You're in the right room, you with the right people, but you're keeping yourself back because of the insecurities that are still within yourself. Like, once that glass ceiling break, I also think that I'm afraid of if my parents gonna feel like I'm better than them. Wow. Cause I know how my parents could get, so, and that's another thing, like my little brother, like, I feel like if he's going to be like, oh, you think you better than us? Like all this extra stuff that I got to deal with. It's so just how a whole do you, other
0: level extra. How do you deal with that? Like, is there like a way that you, because I feel, I feel a type of way about that as well. Like moving up to the next level mm-hmm. and the people that you have to leave behind, mm-hmm. it hurts a little
1: bit. It does hurt because it's not like I'm doing this on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something that I have to do to continue to get to the next level. Yeah. And I guess that goes back to what we can control. We can't control what other people feel about mm-hmm. us. If they disown us, then. So be it. But we can't be like, ah, for y'all to keep owning us, we just gonna sit right here.
0: No, we can't do that. I think I figured it out, Jacqueline.
1: Like we can't do that because if we continue to do that, now it's like, ooh. I tell myself all the time, if God ran the tape back when I go up there with the <laughs> ga- with the pearly gates and he run the tape back and be like, this is what I have for you. But instead you chose to sit still Ooh, I'll be so hurt because we're here. We're chipping at the glass. Javon, we wasn't chipping at no glass.
0: Is that the first step?
1: I'm trying to tell you. So now that we're chipping at the glass, it's like. Yeah, it's 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 over now. Like we just, whatever happens, happens. But I know one thing though, mm-hmm. once that glass break, I'm becoming a better person. I'm becoming who I was meant to be. I'll be in the right rooms, learning new things. And it's like, they always tell us, um, in order to attract, you have to become that person. Mm-hmm. And right now I have to become somebody because I'm sitting over here at the E complex. I'm not sitting over there on a bus no more. I'm not sitting there crying, trying to figure out why me? Not one time did I ever say why not me? What? I thought that was crazy how people would say why not me? What are you talking about? But now, why not me? There's strengths in me that are strong enough that will take me to the next level. Everything that I need is inside of me. And that's what I'm chasing right now. Whether people want to talk to me or not, that's fine. But the right people will talk to me. The right people will want to listen to me. Mm -hmm. Or the right people will give me the right advice. It just sucks that along the way we may lose some of our family members. We may lose some of our friends. And I guess I just come with the territory of success. They say it's lonely at the top.
0: Yeah, that's that's what you're experiencing right now. Even Even. it makes sense, the whole being in the room full of people, but still feeling by yourself because you're in this space Uh of unfamiliar, oh crap, unfamiliar unfamiliar spot. Uh (laughs) Took me out. (laughs) Um, You're in an unfamiliar spot. Uh And it's like, I'm trying to become the person who I know deserves to be in Uh this place and I know can go in this room full of people and feel full of myself. Wow. Ooh,
1: deserve, that's a good word. Sometimes I don't even deserve to be, or I don't feel like I deserve to be in the rooms that I'm in. Why don't you feel you deserve that? And it's like, I've been fighting so many years and now it's like, now it's like, why me again?
0: Why me? Because
1: I didn't ask to be in nobody's room. I didn't know what was gonna happen in 2020. I'm just being me. But I guess the path that I was on brought me to where I am today. And it all makes sense now. Every piece that I dealt with in my life is coming together like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm. Like the picture still is missing the pieces of the jigsaw, but I'm starting to see the bigger picture they say in order to see the big picture you got to remove yourself out of the picture and that's when it happened for me when i took myself out of the picture frame and
0: took a step back and started to look at the big picture as a whole so all that said how in the heck do you get into trucking <laughs> out of all things
1: well my dad was in trucking for um now 20 years mm-hmm. so my dad always been in trucking um and it's quite funny because i never thought i would even be in trucking because my sister was killed by a truck driver really mm-hmm. on 75 here in Atlanta uh in 1998 september 11th 1998 she was um her taxi that she was in she was 16 years old so the taxi that she was in on her way to the a- airport the um driver behind the wheel the 18 wheeler hit the back of the taxi cab and it blew up, so she passed away instantly, um, but her body was burnt, about 95% of her body was burnt. So that was my first, or that was my parents' first child that they lost, and it was a closed castic. So then I was like, I ain't think nothing about a truck. That was the only thing I knew about a truck. My mom, to this day, she don't like to be around trucks, but now she's traveling around my dad in a truck, But this situation came in 2020 when my dad was like, you know, um, there's dispatchers that dispatch us in trucking. I'm like, okay, what you telling me this for? (laughs) I'm like, "What what you telling me this for? But then I was like, man, let me go on YouTube and see what is he talking about? And right then I just started to really dig into freight dispatching from YouTube and I came across Alex Burton, Alex underscore Good Energy, on IG. I came across his page, and I'm like, "Why are they? Why? Why is people out here really looking into trucking like this?" And I'm like, "He's not even a truck driver. He don't even have a CDL. I was like, what is this?" <laughs> I'm like, "What is this?" And then I really looked at it. Like, that's when I saw ET. I'm like, "Oh shoot!" Eric Thomas. Now, I was familiar with Eric Thomas. I'm mm-hmm. like, Eric Thomas. And then I was, I was like, okay, well maybe we dig more into Alex. And then I bought his course, the Dispatch Mastery course. And I took that Dispatch Mastery course and I took it to heart because it meant something to me, because of the fact that I started to think like, well, maybe I can use trucking to get closer to my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: You still and, reaching and, back up yeah. for that
1: relationship. Yep. And then ever since I took this course, me and my dad been talking about trucking, we'll talk about all types of stuff. And I'm just like, wow. But not even that, I took this course and even the people that, the students that we have and that's keep on coming in, I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure that they're good. I don't know why, but it goes back to that love thing. And it's like I just wanna to continue to give love in any way that I can. And like I said in the beginning of the um, podcast, the one word that I can take with me is add value. Mm-hmm. Wherever I go, I wanna make sure that I add value. There's two words. Okay, you're right. So the two words <laughs> Okay, look hey, at y'all y'all crazy I see look now, y'all see what I did with for twelve long long years. <laughs> Oh, Jovine, Yes, <laughs> the two words, add value. Um, that's what I always look to do in any situation. So it goes back to me being a room full of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In order for me to feel like I'm not alone, I want to make sure that I add value. I want to make sure that I say something or that I speak up. I don't want to sit there and be in silence. Mm. Um, that's why I, I over-educate myself, especially in this industry, because it's forever changing, because I know somebody's going to ask me a question. Yeah. So if somebody's gonna ask me a question, I wanna be ready for that question. Absolutely. And, and that's just how it is now. Trucking is just, it's a big industry, but I take my customer service skills that I learned all them 16 years.
0: Cause you teach Trayvon trucking now, the dispatch. Mm-hmm. I seen the video that you posted on the gram mm-hmm. of him trying to get his first what, yep. load, you call mm-hmm. it? Yeah.
1: Yep. So he was in there, cause he always come in there and he'll look at me work and he just end up grabbing a phone and I was like, I can do this. So I let him do it. Now, if that was a situation where it was me back then with my parents, they would tell me to leave. Mm. But with him, I let him come on. If you want to come, come on. And that's what happened in that video. But um, it's pretty dope. Like, I'm learning a whole lot, not only about trucking, but about still myself. Still myself to this day, because I'm not perfect. Yeah. Nowhere near perfect. But I have to. I have to take what it is that I have already and accept that I'm a good person. Accept that I'm a loving person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easy to just hold on to the negativity. That's easy.
0: Yeah.
1: Why is it easy? Because now I can use that and be like, oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. Mm-mm. So, yeah, it's, it's just a daily, a daily journey for me, Jovon.
0: Yeah, one last question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> let's talk about your lock journey because <laughs> you haven't always oh, had locks I
1: didn't oh you're right I had
0: my puff my afro puff you yeah, the afro puff and I know typically when people lock their hair up it's, it's symbolic for them mm-hmm.
1: yeah so with the lock journey well before the lock journey I went from having my afro like I said and then I did a big chop yeah. One of them years. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a short fade. Um, and that was pretty dope. I was like, oh, I could just get up and go. Um, but then I was like, okay, it's, it's just too much. It's either in a ponytail all the time, or I just didn't feel complete or mm. pretty. I just felt like I was looking young out here with a ponytail. So I did one more big chop. And then after that, I was like, okay, we're just going to lock it up. But with the lock journey, it's more maintenance. I didn't know there was gonna be more maintenance to maintaining my locks. Mm-hmm. But even in this journey, I'm starting to fall in love with my hair. I'm starting to fall in love with who I am. I'm in the mirror now more. So it's just a lot going on with the lock journey. It'll, it just turned four years, December 22nd of last year. So it's four years now. So, I mean, Trayvon, you see that he got locks. that was a hair journey too that was a hair journey too my man went from uh having a jerry curl
0: i hated you for that
1: dude you didn't have to come for my son like that though
0: i didn't i came for his mama oh because you allowed for that
1: look i mean he had it slick i Mm -mm. thought i mean he thought he was doing good
0: he wasn't i I know My my boy went out bad
1: he did especially coming across that's why you ain't never seen him after that he was like, "Ooh, I don't want to be around Trayvon." Like, <laughs> don't f- i Sorry. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Some
0: things you just can't forgive. Like it's
1: just you just hurt. He's still my boy. Oh, I'm sure. I think y'all the same height now. No, he's taller than.
0: He look like he might be taller than me now.
1: No, but like I mean, that was a journey in itself too. Mm-hmm. I guess we were just experimenting with Trayvon's hair. I don't know why, but he just he. So Trayvon is one of them kids where. It's, it is what it is. He'll be good with slick to the side and just going about his business. Now it's like, mm now I wanna dress this way or I mm. wanna dress that way. And he's coming to himself. So now in my head as a mother, I'm like, oh, is it now time to get him around mm. men and mentors and stuff like that at 14? So that's another thing that I'm kinda struggling with as a mother is when is the good time to put him around other people right now. Yeah, because he's just stuck in his room. Fourteen. Yeah, he's fourteen, and in I mean, room. there's only so much I can teach. Yeah, exactly. A yeah. young man. So.
0: Hey, right now, right now is definitely the time because he's fourteen. Mm-hmm. He's in his room, mm-hmm. he's working. You got a Max now, mm-hmm. so you're trying to care for two boys on your own. Correct. And there's nothing against single moms at all. Mm-hmm. I love them to death, but it's just there's certain. Like it's that, that glass ceiling. You've reached the glass right now. Mm-hmm. And it's now to kind of like, not give your son off, but it's right. just kind of pass the baton to somebody who can really nurture the manhood mm-hmm. that he needs to have nurtured inside of him. So when he grows and starts becoming who he needs to become, you can say, I did a damn good job. Right. Because you're doing a great job you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a mom raising two boys. Like mm-hmm. you're teaching him entrepreneurship mm-hmm. at an early age. That is true. You're teaching him ownership at an early age. So it's just, he can't say anything bad about you Mm -hmm. because you you're doing so much for him Mm -hmm. and you have the relationship that, that shows it. Mm -hmm. He's just like a big brother, big sister, but he still understands that you're still mom. Exactly. And that's the beauty of Mm -hmm. relationships with parents is that, you know, it may be one thing in our house, but there's still an understanding of who I am. Mm -hmm. So I have one, I would like for you to give some tips to, when we we'll do a commercial, mm-hmm. don't you give some tips to women, single moms who who struggle looking at themselves in the mirror and mm-hmm. right? who can't find that love in themselves and then close us out with a word of wisdom. Okay? All righty. So this episode is sponsored by The Emboldened Institute. It's the only text line that I know that is giving out daily inspiration of hope, love, and healing. So we send out daily messages on the daily. Now, don't ask for the time because uh, I don't think I sent out today. You get today's? Yeah. So you'll get it though. So I'm going to be better, but you will definitely get a message from me of inspiration, hope, and love and healing. Um, I send out daily. I have two text groups. One is the heal healers club where you pretty much, I'm just sending you messages of hope to let you know that you can heal from the past traumas of life. The second one is the affirmations club because I've realized that my love language is the words of affirmation. And when, I'll realize once I started affirming me, I can start looking at me in the mirror a lot more. And I have no shame in looking myself in the mirror no more because I've affirmed who I am as a man. Right. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. feeling. And I feel like, you know what, that's a message that needs to be spread across the whole entire world. Like, yo, affirm yourself every day. Mm-hmm. So I figure if I send out daily affirmations and I can start other people's healing process and their journey through affirmations, that we can do it. So text me the word affirmation or for people who add as affirmations or text the word heal to 404-476-6780. That's 404-476-6780. Jacqueline, yes. thank you so much for this.
1: It's been dope, like always. Every time when I converse with you, it's always dope. I'm a dope guy. You are. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, seriously, give us those tips that you um, <laughs> that helped you look at yourself in the mirror and close out with a word of wisdom and let folks know where they can find you and you know, have the good jazz.
1: All right, so as a single mother and as a black woman, um, what really helped me was to find ways to get out of my own head. So to do that, I really dove into personal development. Personal development is my love language. Personal development is definitely my love language. Um, And I love to read, I love to learn new things, and I love to apply those things. And what I learned was If you get around the right people, you will start to really look at yourself from the inside out because you'll realize there's something that needs to change and shift. But also one thing that I will say is you have to go back to the past sometimes. And that hurts sometimes Mm -hmm. because people kick so much stuff underneath the rug and they don't want to pick the rug up no more. Right. But sometimes you have to pick that rug up and deal with those things Because once you deal with those things, then that'll be the journey into wholeness. And I think that's what we're on right now. We're on a journey to becoming whole. So as a single mom, it's hard. I bet. (laughs) As a single mom, it's hard, but it's doable. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are doing it, a lot of people are doing it and being successful. So there's really no excuses still. There's no excuses in single parenthood but I love what I'm doing. I love my children. I love who I'm becoming. I love the friendships that I'm still establishing and the old friendships that I thought I lost, but I did not. And this is a prime example of my good friend, Javon. Oh, you thought you lost me? We've been friends for 12 years and I'm super excited to be here in this room with you. Um, but yeah, that gym, that gym is self-love, self-care. Um, You don't have to find love outside of yourself. The first place to find love is within, and the first person to love is yourself. So that's my mirror talk, and that's why I'm super excited about looking in the mirror now. I do affirmations as well, and it always starts with I am. Mm -hmm.
0: So, yeah. Well, folks, you heard it here first. It gets no better than that. We are out. Peace.